0: Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Lars Kuraul. (laughs) I practiced that so many times before we came on. Kuraul. He is the author of uh, this short but fantastic book, uh, Organizational Happiness, which is an international bestseller. Uh, He's also a trusted advisor, a consultant, sometimes an interim executive here from Copenhagen, Lars, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Richard, and uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, I'm looking forward to having one of those conversations with you. That uh, yeah, I enjoy your your the conversations you have uh, with people. So good. Uh-huh. So let's make it and an, as we talked about an important conversation, right?
0: Yeah, an important conversation. Yes, let's uh, let's do our best uh, to make it important. Yeah. Um, So something I was, I was just, just thought I'd tap into before we started the show was just to look at the latest Gallup stats around employee engagement. Uh, And it has gone up a little bit, uh, maybe helped to some extent by a lot of people working from home, but we're now at 40% engaged, uh, of people engaged, but still 47%, 47% of people not engaged, 13% of people actively disengaged. so most people in the workplace, uh, I mean, if we use this as a proxy for happy, are not happy in the workplace. So um, this topic is as important as ever, organizational happiness. Um, so, yeah, let's give us, yeah, just give us a little bit of the backstory as to how you came to to write this book.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Um yeah. It's always been something that is uh, very passionate about. Very, um, it's been close to my heart. <laughs> but also, as a, you know, as a, I've been around for for many years in, in in different roles, leadership roles, executive roles, consultant roles, trusted advisor, and but it's always been for me to 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 kind of focus on how do we get what we talk about into real life how do we get from strategy to action and and for me it's always been important you know the well-being the employee engagement now we call it organization happiness some professors call it forcing uh, so call it what? Flourishing. Oh, flourishing.
0: flourishing. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. And, and you know, whatever we call it, I think it's within the same ball game. It's for me, It I have a, my starting point is looking at the organization, helping leaders and organizations. So for me, either I've been a leader or I've been advising leaders and, and, it seems to me that, that, uh, I mean, three years ago or something like that, when I started, I think I had this book in me for five years or something. Like that. Uh, and I've been writing a lot and, uh, at some point it was like 500 pages and, uh, with a lot of cases, academics and things like that. But actually, I think, so the academic in me wanted to make this book 500 pages last on the front page telling how smart and uh, academic I was or I am um, but I think actually what we need as leaders and organization is more like a how-to it's more I think we have academics enough I think we have cases enough on like you say your reference to Gallup uh, on employee engagement or or organization happiness. We are in a place now where we, are we, we want to know how do we do? And I don't think many uh, have that recipe or are trying to offer that recipe or trying to offer that guidance. Um, um, so I've been working with this for the first many years because I, I, f- and from different angles, I think one is the very obvious one that I mean, organization happiness well-being employee engagement it's just a very good business case right yeah um, that's where
0: you, so it's not just how do you do it; it's how do you sell it right i think isn't it, <laughs> the first chapter of your book is right how do you build the business case
1: yeah and i think that's an important i mean for us hr professionals and i'm one of them i mean we need to build that business case and i think uh, I'm, I'm offering a framework for for doing that um but I think the, the book. So you, you, back to a question: Is it was we since I think that there was a Harvard Business Review cover issue in 2012 talking about the happiness dividend, uh, and I think from there on it's kind of got a little bit mainstream, especially in the US, talking about organizational happiness in some ways or forms, but not very much on the how-to. What do you actually do? Because the science of happiness is a very complex thing. So how do you actually bring it into your leadership and to your organization? So that's what I've been trying to do. And as I said, it came from 500 pages to, uh, like you said, a short version is like almost 200 pages. So it's it's supposed to be an easy read inspiration. How do I do? What can I do here? It's not a one-size-fits-all, but it's a it's a uh, how-to book from strategy to action. I call it. Um, and I think I mean uh, I think we talked about this uh, initially when we when we spoke last week on the phone. Uh, it it was it for me. It was a book I had in me, so at some point I had to get it out. And I also promised the publisher and some partners to do it. And. Suddenly, I had to do it. There's too many promises. There. and um, But also, how it was received, actually, it was, it, it's also, it's, I, I mean, it's, um, maybe, you know, this It's a vulnerable thing to put your heart out there on the, on the market uh, and put your heart into a book and then publish it and say, how will it be received? Like I said, the academic in me or maybe the ego in me wanted to be more academic but that i don't think that's what leaders and organization needs so we put it out there and um, uh, early last year um and very fast within a week it became a number one bestseller in japan which was a, like a big surprise for me of course it was a nice feeling uh but it was a um, I, I think I, I don't know. Still, don't know why that happened in Japan. Maybe someone. Well, isn't there that famous
0: that, that they have a word for people who who die on the job? There, I mean that they. they <laughs>
1: probably, right. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think they have one of the highest. Isn't it the highest instances in the world of people like just dying from overwork, and, and so um, yeah, I guess <laughs> they're, they're probably as desperate as any nation on earth. Forever. Yeah.
1: And I, and I think, but now I know it. But then the, a few weeks after it became number one in the US and in Canada, and Australia and most of the European countries. So, and, and now, now, of course, we know why, because it, there was a message in there. There was a simple framework on how to. Uh, and I think that's what we need in this, uh, in, in this uh, area. Um, And and, yeah, and I think that, uh, so it it was, of course, a very vulnerable thing to put it out there. And and I'm very happy it was well received. Um, So a lot of the things I've been doing the past year has been talking about this, but also consulting for different firms on how to implement this.
0: Right. And so, so, you know, you said it's been with you for five years. I mean, it's an enormous, obviously, effort to create a book. Why, why do you care? Why do you care so much about happiness?
1: Yeah, very good question. I, I I think, I mean, the, I think it's, it's deep in me and in in most people, I think, and you know, the, I mean, the, the the pursuit of happiness, right? It's, I mean, we are all, uh, in the pursuit of happiness in some way from we wake up in the morning. We've, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and, and, i wanted to introduce that in an organisation context because i think we as leaders um, and organisations have a responsibility also i mean i think the, there was a recent study say we spent 90,000 hours at work in a lifetime right it's like a third of our life and uh, and we also have a responsibility and obligation to Serve in that way to create uh, a space in the workplace uh, for happiness. For various reasons, it could be for the well-being of the uh, employees or for the individual. It could be in an organization context, but there's also, I think, a a broader responsibility, which is as a nation or as a leader of a society. you're looking for happier, healthier employees, right? Uh, mm-hmm. for, for various reasons. Um, I, th- I think, and I think there is a little bit of a mega trend here that uh, many nations uh, um, are looking, how can we create happier, healthier societies? Uh, I, I know they even have in Dubai, they have the, the happiness minister right now. Uh, oh, which they? Is a, which is a woman, Yeah. Um I know in India, they have a board that is close to the prime minister that is advising him on uh, happiness in society. And I know many governments are, are moving into that. Say, how can we look at the individual? Because that makes sense, obviously, but also from a, from a society business case, <laughs> you could say it's a very good business case to have happier, healthier employees, right?
0: Right. Yes. No. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. And okay. So, so you wanted to, that makes sense. You wanted to bring this to the workplace, but is it that you've always been pretty happy and you'd like want others to be happy? Or is this more from a place of you've, you've had unhappy experiences and that's driven you to make, you know, somehow the world a happier place?
1: yeah both i mean uh, in in my age I have had <laughs> a lot of experiences in the workplace uh both as as a leader and also as a consultant um, so I've seen a lot um, but i think it, I, I i think it's more so 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 it makes sense for me and I'm passionate about it and I'm very fortunate to be working with this because it's uh it also makes me happy, right? <laughs> it's a, I make a really a contribution. I feel it's a it's a big purpose for me. Um, but also, I think, uh, and that's the role I take. Sometimes it's like we have sometimes the happiness, being happy in the workplace. It comes from a like I would call it a, a hippie happy place, right? It's like a, and fair enough and it's uh i like that too but it doesn't work in a boardroom uh it's it, we need to move that agenda into the top management the executive level into the boardroom we need to talk about why this makes sense maybe from a uh social responsibility kind of angle or maybe from a business case angle um, because we think we can make a better business because in some and and that's that's what drives me actually it's like i think this is a (laughs) no-brainer so that's where i come from i mean it it makes sense in so many different ways uh and i and i think i'll be able to to convince anybody that this is either a good business case it makes sense uh, whatever Uh, and i think uh, many organizations or leaders should understand that and i'm very happy to help in in that sense um so yeah that's where that's what's driving me making a difference or having an effect actually
0: right i can see that and there probably aren't too many professors out there really thinking about how they might sell a happiness to a cfo right that's what you really brought it down to <laughs> that individual in the office with the cfo how am i gonna sell this hippie shit right
1: yeah, that's a, it's a good point because, you know, we as, and I think you're also coming from that, um uh, uh, role or that yes, angle. Exactly. is it's, we as HR professionals, it's a, it's, we have that, um, still we have that image of being the churchy feely, uh, I, you know, I think we should do and I feel the organization is and I, and sometimes, and, and, very often we are right if we are good HR professionals, but sometimes we are we don't have the effects that we could because we're not making the business case, we're not doing the effort, or we are not, um, yeah, or, or we are not able to build the business case. Uh, so, so this is a. The book is a is a, on in one on one uh, hand is a offering this to help you build the business case. And and on the other hand, getting to know or understand the science of happiness connected with uh, real employee engagement.
0: Right. Right. Um, So let's take the the first of those without giving too much away from the book itself, but what are the sort of the the top, I don't know, three factors that you're going to put in front of your CFO when you're, when you're selling uh, happiness?
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's like, when, when we're building the business case, it's, uh, it, yeah, I think you have to, to make the effort, but it's not, it's not a very difficult one. I think there's a lot of things that goes up. If you work, if, let's, let's start with, so we're working with organizational happiness, real employee engagement. You can call it many things, uh, but we call it organizational happiness. I think the performance goes up the customer satisfaction goes up employee retention innovation employee engagement and even you can measure we have cases on this profits goes up sales goes up quality um and of course customer loyalty i mean and 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 we have some figures on this also i mean it's uh it, it's not just something that we are saying and i think gallup is one of the the major players in offering us data on this uh there are other uh, very good institute, uh, Harvard and Stanford and they also building the cases. Um so all that is going up and just putting figures on that and we know the figures depending on your industry, uh and and how you how you organise things like that, your business environment and, and uh we have figures on how much is the uh, retention or how much in the is the productivity going up um, so so we have uh, that figure is between seven to thirty one or something like that, and just that figure if you put that into <laughs> to a business case i mean the cFO would understand it and I think you would be very happy if you meet that if the the c h r o meeting the c f o with that agenda uh, and of course there's a lot of things going down and and, and also in that business case and the, and this is then we're talking about stress for instance burnout uh, sick leave, things like that, which is normally in organizations also a huge um, huge item on your balance sheet if you if you put it that way right. Um, so I think building that business case and 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 maybe just be very conservative about it, you would have a business case that you at a later stage could follow up on. And, then, and uh, so that is the uh, yeah this one uh, angle on the book, which is which I think is important that you that's the how to right,
0: right right, uh, yeah very important I think and and the first yeah. and the fact, actually the first book I've I've read in this. Sphere, which which puts that right at the front, and it makes complete sense. Uh, so yeah,
1: yeah, I which is interesting, I, I, and I thank you for mentioning that because I I very often fall into that role or been giving that role or take that role of being the being the business, the organisation, the happiness business case guy, uh, or productivity guy, but and sometimes I meet other. Experts in well being. Uh, you have one in England, Nick Marks, is an excellent, uh, I think, uh, uh, expert in that area. But sometimes uh, we don't want to talk about productivity and happiness in the same sentence because we think it's too blonde or it's too direct or it's too. And I don't get it, I, I think, because that's what it is. It's uh that's that's what it is. I mean of course there are other advantages uh, to to my health or to the society and things like that. Uh, but but one of them to make this happen is definitely putting a business case on it and and having putting the equation uh between uh employee engagement and productivity. Yeah. But Let's still get to so no- per-
0: let's not get too noble about it. Right. We could, we could define it. So yeah. You
1: know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I can sometimes, I suppose I, I I could sense a little bit of myself in that sometimes with some of these themes I can fall into. Uh Yeah. Oh, no, no, but we should be doing this for its own sake because we're good humanitarians. Right. Why should we need to sally this conversation with commercial considerations? Right. Yeah. I could definitely fall. Into oh, but I, I get that.
1: And, and I'm coming from that place also, but I, I, Think, uh, I, th- I think the, the if we are too if we are too afraid of of telling what it is, I mean this is just a one thing in in the organization the happiness uh, agenda. But let's talk about it. Like and, and and then some organization, like you said, it's like who. Um, but maybe we should talk about well-being for the employee. Uh, But still that conversation at some point ends in, why are we doing this? And some organization can say, because we have a higher purpose, we want to contribute to society and we want to make everybody happy. But very few are in a position (laughs) to do only that. There's there's something very often behind on on a business model or a business case, I think. Um,
0: Yeah. And I, I,
1: I, yeah, and, and I wanted to say, I, I'm afraid of being too uh, <laughs> too, too uh, business case oriented on this, but I think it's important. But it is a win-win-win situation, right? Wherever you start the win, it's a it's a win for the individual, it's a win for the organization, and it's a win for the society also, uh, or the nation or whatever. However.
0: Uh, wherever you want to go on that level right right yeah absolutely and 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 as i've reflected in other podcasts i think a lot of the malaise we currently see within organizations this this split between management and and staff and employees and and the and the uh, lack of engagement does spill out into society i think in terms of political tensions and uh, uh potential you know people being more attracted towards more extremist political Positions, I think there's a link here, right? It's not
1: like yeah, this what oh, happens
0: yeah. in the company, stays in the company. Oh
1: yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. What... I mean, and that takes me all the way back to I don't know if you've read the book Maverick, Maverick by Ricardo Semler, who who introduced very sort of um, progressive employee empowerment type practices to, to his organization and saw a massive reduction in domestic violence as a result of mm. changes in the in the workplace. Uh, that's what he yeah. was getting reported from the spouses of a lot of the at the time male workers. Was yeah, so yeah, it's, it's all connected. Yeah,
1: and I, and I wanted to, if I may, it's like when you refer to the numbers from Gallup, I think they're very interesting, very well done. I, I think I'm a huge fan of Gallup, <laughs> um, but it points to something that uh, that uh, I'm working with at the moment. Also, it's it's, it's the you know the satisfaction or the engagement the highly engaged or the the the, the just happy <laughs> or just i'm just happy to be here or i'm just a little bit engaged or whatever and you're pointing to those numbers of like was it 40 40 yeah that's the latest right, right? yeah yeah the yeah, engaged, yeah. yeah. And, and whatever that number is and it comes out of I think every year or twice a year but whatever that number is, it's, it points to a potential. It points to if I'm a leader, if I'm serving an organization as a leader, it points to there is a huge potential in there. How can I release that potential? Um, and I think sometimes we as consultants or HR professionals or trusted advisor, we have many names. <laughs> Uh, sometimes we are pushing an agenda that is uh, uh, we can call it burning platforms, uh, disruption, reinventing, uh, pushing a big change, something transformation. Like that. Yeah. Transformation is a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's it And, and I've, I've been a part of so many projects with those kind of words around it. And, and my experience is, and from many of these is that what we are doing to an organization, and now I'm talking as a consultant or trusted advisor, but also as a leader, what we're doing is we're pushing the organization, which means that the organization gets a little tense, which means that performance actually goes down because there is a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of afraid, what's happening to my job? What's, you know, all these kind of things because we're pushing a change agenda. This number from Gallup, I think you could look at it in a different way and say, how do we release the potential that is already there? Because look at these numbers. If we could get these from 40 to 50, that is that is a nice business case for, for a starter. Uh, but that is not about a burning platform or, uh, like you said, transformation or of reinventing. Um, this is about how do we release the potential that is already there, that is already within me, but I'm not giving it, or I'm not there at my job. And I think this is about uh, organizational happiness. How do you, to take one of the areas, how do you use your superpowers for the mission of your organization, right? If you're able to do that, uh, yeah, you're releasing a lot of potential. You're highly engaged.
0: Yeah. And, and that's actually one of the quotes I made a note of here before, for this conversation. You, you write great leadership is about releasing and unlocking potential, not about transformation. And that, uh, yeah, I think that's a very powerful message here because, you know, and I reflect myself as often I will talk the language of transformation, but this gave me pause for thought and, no 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 it's there's there's another way to look at that at this it's, and if we can just sort of take take the lid off what is constraining uh these people becoming happier flourishing being more engaged uh just find those places to make those adjustments that may be a, a better paradigm to approach things from yeah i, c- I can see that
1: yeah yeah thank um, you i like that i like that approach and sometimes I use the metaphor of uh, uh, you know having a corn a mace uh, and you you know you heat it, and this is what we do as leaders right we we heat we communicate, we lead we do a lot of things uh, but this is what makes it pop right it's the potential that is already in there, and we need to be able to pop our organization so we have mm-hmm. the, the popcorns if you if if that <laughs> is a it's
0: a good message. Sounds more fun as well, doesn't it? Who, who, who wants to be part <laughs> of a POP project or a, or a transformation project, right? <laughs> That's uh, right.
1: That's
0: right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we started to, to, to you, you mentioned, you know, one of the areas, you've got these three lenses, right, or three sort of focuses. There's purpose, uh, strengths, and compassion. And I think you started to talk about strengths there, So or superpowers. Should we should we start with this, the strengths piece and then perhaps yeah to
1: Yeah let's to say that. that I I think so in all of these three areas um, yeah we'd be trying to go into depth what what can you do it's I, I wanted to say it's so so to understand the model to so there is a purpose on the top and then there is a strength and a and a compassion side of culture, leadership and it's I think for me, it's about fine tuning or finding the happiness sweet spot or finding the sweet spot between all these three things. And it's not a one size fits all. It's, uh, it's more like a framework you can work with as an organization to say, maybe I'm doing pretty good on purpose. Uh, so maybe I need to focus more on strength or superpowers as I sometimes use it. So let's talk about superpowers. It's it's for me it's really about uh as HR professionals we call it uh, sometimes we call it strength-based leadership. Um and and this it's easy to say uh but I think there is a winning strategy in there. I've seen it work for for many organizations now. It's about what kind of conversations do you have? When you have your annual annual appraisal or whatever you call it, with you uh some sorry, what is what is the conversation you're having you're having probably like like up brought up in the corporate world also it's like you probably have a conversation about how is it going, a few projects uh, um, then yeah, along the way, and then. We put the last half hour aside uh, to say, what is it that you're not so good at that you need to be better at? Which is really a losing strategy because it's it's like taking, what is it that I'm not good at that I need to focus my attention on? I think the conversations we need to have is about what's your superpower? What's your strength? And how can I, as a leader, help you put... That into play for our organization it's a it's a very different <laughs> uh, conversation uh, and it sounds so easy and and, and obvious and uh, but we are all brought up with the you know the room for improvement uh, or uh, thought um, and 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 so the conversation or the structures we need to have in place or the processes for HR is very different. Um, what are the conversations you need to have? How do you know your own superpowers, and how do you know the superpowers of the team that you're part of so you 're able to set the right team? This is i think in in short uh, strength based leadership maybe um, it, it, it goes a lot deeper and there's a lot of experts on this and, and I've, I've also put a few things in there in in, in my book but um
0: Yeah. And it goes, it really does cut against the grain, doesn't it? Of how we're brought up in schools, you know, you'll go through all of your subjects and, you know, you've done well here, Richard, but you know, what's, what's going on here? You know, let's see if we can improve your geography, you know, (laughs) or whatever it might be. And I I saw some other interesting research that that was, which was looking at entrepreneurs and they found that often entrepreneurs are not, they're not grade A students, right? Uh, they don't tend to be the is it what's the, that term in the American school, the lictadorian, or the the person who's done you know really well across all the board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they tend to be the people who have, have built a singular strength in one area, uh, and and become obsessed about that thing, right? And then that ultimately manifests as some kind of business, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so th- so it does chime with that research. And then it, 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 you say something. Else, well, I think you quote. Um, is it Drucker? The task of leadership is to create alignment of strengths that make weaknesses irrelevant.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think it's it's now been for 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 some years, maybe ten years, working with strength-based leadership, and in some way or, or some form or, or another, it's. It's some, it's very easy to tell the quick story. Okay. I get it. We, that's a winning strategy. Of course, we all focus on our superpowers and we use it and we bring it into play. But it turns out it's a, it's actually a difficult, uh, change to make for leaders because the conversations you need to have is very, very different. It's conversations about when was the last time you felt Really energized. Who were you with? What were you doing? <laughs> what does that tell you about your <laughs> your abilities and your? It's not a conversation we're used to having. Uh, so it's it's there's a little bit of education, and for HR professionals, we need to put different processes and structures in place to facilitate our leaders to have these uh, conversations. Um, so, so so i i see that we have done it with an organisation of almost 5000 employees in in a different geography than than europe but it's like okay we train 130 leaders they all energized. and then it's like it's like a i don't know what you call this but it's it's like you're slipping into the good old mode or you're getting a little bit stressed and then you're starting to have the old conversations and things like that. So, but I think the notion of the, this thinking of that we all have a superpower. It's like, you know, when I take off my shirt, what's, what's my superpower? And you need to know that superpower. And you need to know, because you need to tell about it. And you need to know the superpower of your team um so you
0: can are able to work uh with them yeah and in, in the book you've got a few exercises at the end of the chapters, and i actually did them myself while i was going through and I was, like, oh, oh, really? I was surprised by some of the you know because one of the ones was when were you most a- energized that it was actually when i was entertaining someone as part of facilitating the workshop and i found this the guy on the other side was like laughing and i was, I was like, yeah, yeah that's what i felt really last time i felt really energized that it is sort of surprising and then i'm like, Okay, so I'm supposed to be an entertainer now. I, you know, so it's it, I, I guess it started an inquiry for me, which I'm, I'm not familiar with. It was, um, so I can see why this is, you know, not something. Yeah, like, and, yeah immediately going to find easy.
1: Yeah, very good point. And I think it, uh, so thank you for sharing that also. It's like, and, and, and I don't want to be too technical about it, but there are ways of, of course, we have all these assessments, uh, um, Gallup is doing an assessment. Actually, Strength Finder is one uh, mm. that you can do. The VIA Strength Finder is also a strength assessment. This is also something you, the tools you can use. And 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 you know we, um, I was just running a course in 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 March, uh, just before everything closed down, but in Costa Rica, and at the uh, at the u p the university there, and we have a we have a. leadership program called positive leadership there for four days and and there we also training this what's your superpower and if you don't know you need to find out (laughs) that's first but maybe you know if you know or maybe you get input from your peers and like a 360 or something but you need to know your superpower or your superpowers and you also need to have a story that you tell because it's not always about if I was the manager or it's not for me to find out. You need to tell me. Also, you okay. have a responsibility. You have a responsibility, I think. So that little, sometimes we call it an elevator pitch. Uh, you need to have that elevator pitch with your superpower in it, right? Uh, I, I think we all need to have this in our back pocket. It serves us well in an organization, if we change jobs, if we want to go on interesting projects and things like that.
0: Yeah. Which again, I can imagine is like, well, I, even as you say that, I can feel a little friction in myself. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, it's, uh, not, again, not something we're used to, to doing, right? We, we're not taught at school to share our super power with the rest of the class, how we, say. So...
1: No, that's I, very, I think it's a very good point And it's, I think it's, uh, it also, I can relate to that. You coming from the British system, probably I would guess. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's the same in the Nordic region, and it's. But other geographies have, uh, in the course that I mentioned, it we, we try to get people standing on a chair, right, telling your superpower, just to push a little bit on, telling the story, and, and for some people, also personality-wise and things, it's easier to do this, uh, and for some, it's a very alien concepts to brag about your own superpowers. But if you don't, <laughs> I, I think you would be in the, I, I would say the other way, if you do it, you have, it's, it's easier for you to be in a happy place in your work environment.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because people are going to, they're going to clock that. They're going to start to think, okay, where where are the opportunities in my my realm that I could I could push you into or, you know, give you a job in, right? Or a, a, a role in, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can completely see that you want to be able to sort of advertise to the network, this, <laughs> this power, right?
1: Yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's yeah. Right. No, yeah. I, I, can see that. So the, did you, did you, did you put a word on your superpower? Richard? Well,
0: I don't, I'd have to go back through the, but I certainly, uh, no, I don't think I got as far as, as no. naming it and describing it in that way. Um, but it was, okay. um, but I guess it, it, it did give me with it. So, so i took it uh, yeah i take it on and i and i and i can see the value of it but i get it did leave me with this question which was okay but if i'm if i've got these behaviors that are my superpowers and i can see the value they add what about the areas in my life where if if i ignore these other these weaknesses or these other areas you know i'm leaving a trail in my you know my wake like the of destruction in my wake, like that you know, don't hire our you might have these brilliant superpowered individuals who are fantastic but if they're never working on their Weaknesses. What does that mean for the system around them?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a very good point, and I think that's also where you have to be careful of taking this too far, because if you have a fatal flaw, if you have a, if there's a hole in the boat, you need to fix it, right? <laughs> and sometimes you need to address these things, and in some organization, there are some things you simply need to be just half good at. Uh, and and you need to address that of course uh, but i i would say very often um you are surprised of i uh, i'm sometimes surprised of the things that leaves we leaves me with no energy <laughs> someone else will pick that up and say this is just what i do i love it <laughs> yeah. and, and it even makes that she is or he is even better and faster than me in doing these things, right? Uh, Yeah. I think sometimes when you, maybe just a little bit, I mean, if you don't know your superpower, sometimes you a trigger is sometimes, you know, you delegate something to other people or you ask them to do something. And then you have this little uh, uh, animal on your shoulder maybe saying, what the hell? What I mean? What I, I could have done this in uh, two hours, and now it's taking three days. Maybe that's a pointer that this is this might be your superpower. Or this might be one of your superpowers, right? This might be something that you're really good at.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that as a guide. Actually, in the book, yeah, I remember that now. You know, if yeah. this is something that you find really easy, and other people are like, "Well, how did you pull that off so easily?" <laughs> or "Why are you not nervous about this thing you're about to do?" Or why doesn't that strike you as being difficult? That's a yeah. probably a good sign that it's your superpower. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. But then you also say, okay, so, so I get like if there's a hole in the boat or there's fatal flaws, you, you can't ignore those. But you, you also ask the question, like, um, what are the areas in which you need to develop? So explain that. You know, what does development mean when we're talking about working to our strength?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's about. Um... So, taking a little bit too extreme, <laughs> I think it's about honing your uh excel in what you're good at and and I think sometimes you don't even know your superpower i think i mean um, sometimes you need someone to prompt you right sometimes you need some something or someone to and i think sometimes we look at these what is it called uh America got talent, or I don't know what you mm. call it in Eng- England. Uh, Britain got talent. So, yeah, yeah, that's right, of course. And <laughs> and you have this guy, this opera guy. I don't know what his name was six years ago or something like that. You? Okay. Paul Potts or something. Oh like yes, that. Paul so, Potts. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I look yes. at him, and I, I thought it's, this was a uh, older guy. I would say. Hey. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, coming from a call center, I believe it was or something mm. like he was selling something, advising something and, 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 uh, he never really explored his talent and suddenly he was on that stage. Someone put him on that stage. I don't know the whole story, but suddenly now he's, I mean, he's in the super league of, uh, of opera singers, right? But he, he didn't know that. So something prompted him. Someone helped him, something facilitated uh something, and I think as leaders we we have that role. We need to take that role to to explore um your superpower because it's not like sometimes we have these uh, high potential programs and organizations and i uh, maybe you need to have them, but I think it's much more important that we have programs where we say everybody has a talent everybody has a strength uh, we just need to find out what it is um, and how you use it in your organization
0: yeah and that makes enormous amount of sense to me you know what, 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 yeah because if, if you could just if you could spread the scope of where you might be able to improve leadership happiness engagement and you can find a few tweaks to the system that allows to bring everybody up even a little bit that's presumably going to have a much more impact than just selecting a smaller cohort and focusing on on improving that group right i
1: I think you have your if we, if you're sticking to the to the consultant's <laughs> um, words I, I think right there you have your competitive advantage i think I think in there if you're able to do this in a structured uh, way so it becomes a language and it's something that you talk about it's uh, this is could be your competitive advantage together with your purpose
0: right yeah um well let's do, let's let's talk about uh those other two areas then uh purpose uh-huh. yeah. and and compassion uh yeah. yeah let's touch on those
1: i i i think on on let's take purpose first first i, I um I think it's so important that as an organization, you need to have a strong purpose. Uh, we all know that I don't need to explain a lot around that it's a, It's a big thing. everybody's talking about it uh, but for various reasons you need to have it. You need to have it because it's uh, from an organization point of view, it's attracting top talent it's retaining the the top talent that we have in our organization uh and it's also an employer brand, right? Uh, and I, I think for those reasons, I think we are moving into, that's what I'm seeing right now. We're moving into, um, you know, the the baby boomers are retiring now, right? <laughs> and I think there will be an even bigger lack of talent uh, that we have seen uh, the last maybe f- five, eight years. Um, and I think in there, you need a strong purpose. Just for that reason, we—I think—McKinsey t- ten years ago called it "war for talent" or something. I don't like it. Don't especially like that phrase. But it's—but I think we've been moving into a market where we will see that again. I think. Um, so for that reason, and 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 when I work with organization, it's organizations. It's also about building the story. The purpose story that you tell to the market, you tell to also to your future employer employees, to your current employees and all other stakeholders that you have. So you're proud of being a part of the organization. And this is where I say it's not a one size fits all because some organizations have already have that purpose. Maybe you just need to build the story. And some organizations really, really have a hard time um, telling uh, what I would call a heartfelt story that is more than profit. Yeah. Um, and and, and, uh, and you can think about um, selling alcohol or cigarettes or, I mean, or even Coca-Cola or, I mean, we, we know some of these brands are the best at telling about their purpose because they know they need to do that. And I think a huge part of the marketing budget goes to that storytelling. It's almost like, I think Coca-Cola, I love Coca-Cola. Just to put that, (laughs) I drink a lot of Coca-Cola, but it almost feels like that Coca-Cola has managed to put, uh, uh, managed to to say, when you think of Coca-Cola, you think about happiness, right? You think Might. about Chris, Christmas. You think yeah. about whatever it's like, and of and that's a good example of someone who knows about the importance of uh, of a strong purpose. Um, and Coca-Cola is doing a lot of other things, also. They're doing a lot of other good things, of course. But um, but it's an interesting case in terms of. And if you're working for the UN, like I'm doing sometimes, it's a totally sort of different exercise because they the purpose is always there maybe you need to unwrap it or make it simple or, um but it's already there so maybe you don't need too much attention on that
0: yeah and you said in the book you actually left a firm right because you didn't fill the, the purpose oh oh
1: yeah, yeah. i mean it's uh yeah, so i have the personal story i mean it's like uh yeah i i think i was uh, yeah i was a uh, an executive there for this for this region and and but I, you know, the product was really not sexy, <laughs> not at all. The task was very interesting. The leadership Did you tell us what was, the product was? Yeah, it was cement. <laughs> right, that's the definition of not sexy. How do you? How do you? I know. I mean, now I, I know that you you probably could talk about sustainability, saving the world, building houses that doesn't fall on people's heads, and things like that. But we were not in that place at that point. But of course, I was attracted to other things. I, mean, I, um, I was convinced uh, could be the people in the company, the task at hand, what's the the goal, the task that I should be working with, or the big black company car, whatever you. I mean, whatever that ignites you, right? Uh, but along the way, I, I, for me, that happened between two or three years. It's like when you. Go on your vacation, you have a little bit of time to think about how you spent your life. Um, it just didn't it didn't resonate with me it does not uh, i i couldn't see myself uh, spending my life uh, earning money to uh earning more money to another rich family sitting somewhere in uh, central europe right? um, It was having fun but but I decided to to leave and put someone in. In my position instead, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's turned out to be a good decision for me, at least.
0: Right. So, very important then to have this purpose and then be able to tell it, tell the story of the purpose in a way yeah. that, that, that resonates with And, and
1: I want to, and I have, maybe I have a point here that's uh, just been discussing with, a, with an organization uh, because we need to have a purpose that resonates with the personal purpose of the employees in the organization it doesn't have to be completely aligned but it somehow needs to resonate with my it's, as you, you were kind enough to mention that i left the company there and it, but it isn't it didn't even resonate with my personal values uh, so every time I have a little bit of time off, there was something in here that kind of, or someone here or telling me that, what is it that you're doing? And so the thing about having a purpose that resonates uh, with the employees in the organization. And I think sometimes we're almost too competent in talking about purpose we have small circles and bubbles like you and I are talking and we consultants or professionals and and we're talking about a higher purpose uh, more than profit and things like that but i think we have to accept that maybe for 85% of the global workforce we are working because we need to put food on the table and educate our children right that's the real purpose and, and i think you have to be uh, aware of that when you're building your story that you're talking to your to your to everyone including your employees uh, and not just the the high level um, annual report uh, stuff
0: right yeah that's a ve-
1: <laughs> that's a very important point
0: and and quite and so often these purpose statements and this the narrative gets built by an executive team right and their relationship to the organization is going to be very different potentially to a lot yeah. of the people working in it yeah the general population of that of that company. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think the yeah. Very. I think you're absolutely spot on there. It's like, and what we're talking about organization happiness here. We, this is what comes from in many annual reports. You have our employees are our most valuable resource, right? And organization happiness is the answer to that annual report statement line. Right? Mm,
0: yeah. And then the the third and, and final of these of these lenses or these is um sort of takes takes the hippiness up a level, <laughs> and you talk about that in a book, right? And that's I compassion. So. Your, your, your compassion, right? What what is it? Somebody told at large. You've already you've already come to us with a okay, happiness, and now you want us to think about compassion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, very good. I I think at 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 this is what I. You know, to start another place, you know, I could have called this book, uh, another Employee Engagement 2.0, something like that. But <laughs> probably not be a bestseller. Really, Cracking the that.
0: code of employee.
1: Yeah, yeah, something or seven steps to, uh, uh, <laughs> global domination or something. But it's, it's, uh, so, but I choose to, because it is about happiness, and we need to talk about happiness, and this is about compassion, and we need to talk about compassion and leadership because i don 't think and, and and for some cultures, and I had to have been traveling with this message for for some time now, and some cultures they get it immediately it 's like compassion is a part of almost the religion, the part of everyday life in. In our part, I would say of the world, in Northern Europe, your part of the world also, it, it's more like compassion. What's that? I mean, you come here <laughs> what's the business case for compassion? Like, um, but I think we need to talk about compassion and I don't think you can have real leadership without compassion. Compassion in this is defined as, uh, a real interest in other people's difficulties, and and there the leadership comes, and a burning desire to do something about it. This is compassion, and this is leadership. Uh, and and I think sometimes we talk about empathy as the number one leadership something, especially these days, and in, in, uh, maybe moving into a more well-being focused uh uh, work uh, work world you could say and then we talk about empathy but i would say and i think most people if they look into it would agree that empathy can be a very passive thing empathy is i feel you and then what I, i think that's not leadership empathy you have to put action behind that i mean and that's I'm t- talking about a burning desire to do something about your difficulties. Or, so it's understanding it and having an interest in other people's difficulties and the burning desire to do something about it. I, I think that's almost the definition of, of real leadership.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I can see that. And I can see how that serves this unlocking you know, this unlocking. So if I'm, I'm empathizing with people that, and I'm, I've got a burning desire to do something about it. That's going to translate into uh, unlocking people's potential. right?
1: Yes. And I, and I think in, in, uh, this is that circle that we have in the happiness mm. sweet spot there. This is one of the, um, I would say where you have to be very careful about not being too spiritual or too competent around what to do about it. I, I think you have to be very simple about it. It's, it's about you have to cultivate a culture of compassion in your organization. Because if you do that, and exactly as you're saying, if you're able to do that, this is a key to unlocking, right? Exactly. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what I sometimes it's when we train this, we sometimes we do these trainings of cultivating a culture of compassion. What do you do as a leader? Because it's, it can be mind blowing if you haven't worked with it before, but it's about asking questions. It's about, uh, normally I say it's about two things about paying attention <clears throat> and be present. Those two yeah. things. If you're able to do that, you can move mountains. Um, and sometimes it's not the compassionate. It's not about... Uh, uh, I would say it's about asking questions. It's, it's about asking simple questions like, tell me. That's it. And the next question could be, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in that way, you starting to have a conversation where you are able to to uh, be compassionate as a leader right
0: yeah and and that's about taking me out of it right and just creating the space for this person in front of me to yeah. to share right to expand on that's what.
1: right without that's i mean just being that and i think we we i think uh I, I, there's an interesting topic here, just for you to i mean if you want to explore in a, in another podcast with, with someone, I think our attention span as leaders has has fallen dramatically the last ten years right We have too many devices we have everything is like you said when we start this. Do you have something that clings yes, yes. <laughs> and of course I mean my phone has been uh There's probably 10 or 20 messages now, right? And on that, uh, and a a little bit of my attention went went until I turned it so I couldn't see it. But if we, we have too many things going on for us, so sometimes the empathy or the compassion becomes a functional thing. It becomes something that someone told me to be. But you cannot have, you cannot have, um, I don't think you could be present unless you feel that I'm present,
0: right? Right, right. And I think that this all feeds each other, feeds 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 each other, right? And I'm just so so. I'm just going to relay an anecdote with another guest um, who who's, who wrote the hap- Happiness Manifesto. Oh yeah, Henry Stewart. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of him, but yeah. when I went to get to interview him on the podcast, I was like. Henry, do you want to do the podcast? Like, yes. Uh, you know, when can we do this? And he's like, uh, pick a time. Any time, you know, in the next three weeks. And you know, he's the CEO of a, I guess, a reasonably large business. How many CEOs do you know with empty diaries? And that's because he has he's fulfilled on, I suppose, the vision of your book, and that is to unlock the potential of his staff so that he's not back-to-back meetings, bogged down. Um, carrying this company right making all the decisions himself and and that's why i say this this is sort of self-reinforcing uh because he's done all of that unlocking he's now got time and space to be present to be compassionate to ask the deeper questions to listen mm. Mm. so so yeah it becomes a, a these virtuous rein, reinforcing mechanisms that uh you start to unleash when you take take this approach I think.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we have so many. So I have many leaders going through my, uh, I'm meeting many leaders in trainings so or in one to ones, but, but, you know, we, I think we have to be, I think there might be something here now that, that, that our attention span is going down and we kind of accept it. But I think it's, it's, uh, it's a kind of, uh, it, it's an error. I think it's it's a, it's something we shouldn't accept because in there, as you, as you were saying, and, and, and I'm writing in the book also, there is so much potential. If you're able to be present for one person just for you for just maybe two minutes, it's not something that many people feel these days because there's a phone ringing, there's something going on, and it might even be that while you and I are talking, I'll pick up the phone. And some, you know, these company cultures, right? That it, it, I've, you, I you have, probably I seen have, well, I have
0: I, a particular family mem- member who won't, who won't be named comes to mind as, uh, as you speak.
1: <laughs> That's right. And it's almost like, I don't know how you want it on this podcast, but it's almost like when, when you, if we haven't set the scene and the rules for this, if I was picking up the phone while you were talking to me, it's almost like, Giving the, the, the finger, right? Yeah, it's, the, it's, yeah. Coffee, yeah. it's almost like, unless we have the conversation about what is that I'm doing. So yeah, there's something there. I think that uh, we need to, uh, to address and do more of. I think the, the, the paying attention and being present because there's so much power, uh, in that as leader. I think it's very, very effective, uh, as leaders to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. It just reminds me of another uh, a guest who, who, whose company, um, their engagement scores were so high, the Servian company had to create a new category of engagement called Super Engaged for their employees. And the MD of that company, Nicky Gatby, then went off and wrote the book, Super Engaged, uh, to describe her company's culture. But he, the, the CEO, that was the MD who wrote the book, the CEO of that company, it's called Propellonet, lives in the, in the French Alps and he brings his team out to just spend time walking in the mountains, right. Completely devoid of any potential distractions. Um, Mm. And I should also say a very successful company. Right. So, Yeah. 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 Good. Um, well, it's been a fantastic tour of the book. Uh, here it is once more organizational happiness. Um, the happiness sweet spot, which we talked about, and your motivational landscape, which we didn't didn 't get into, but perhaps that could uh, save for a, for another time or for those who, who Sure. but um, anything anything i've missed, anything you want us to sort of, just sort of share before we close out
1: mm, no I, I think the no I think there is a one a one message that maybe it's because it's very. Top of my mind because I spent some time this morning with the company, <laughs> but it we and and you we talked a little bit about that. He be happy or that um, it's, it's it's almost like when we are too many HR professionals in in one room. We are we everybody is very comfortable because we understand each other and we talk the same language and and we. But I think we have to be very aware of what it is we're doing and. And who we are talking to so i think i'm a very big fan of making it simple um both when you communicate to your organization but also when you communicate to going into the boardroom and then going into the the uh, speaking with the um with the executive team we have to be very careful not using language that we have rehearsed almost for 10 years because we're so much into this subject because if we're doing that and coming from that academic thing we started off with we're doing that we'll never have an effect we'll not share the message in in a good way so sometimes we have to cut away the uh, the eco or the academic and and then talk about what is this really about Um, um, so not being too competent and not taking ourselves too seriously. I think it's a it's uh it's a important message when you work with these things.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really yeah very yeah very important point. Um and and, and I, I think the thing I would add to that as you were speaking is, is not be too moralizing, not be too moralistic. I think that's yeah. definitely a trap I could fall into. Um yeah let's just talk about the the sort of the facts yeah to some yeah, that too
1: and and talking about i mean it, I, as i said this is a no-brainer <laughs> yeah and and it's i mean it's, so let's talk about how we do it how we do we do it best it's not a huge investment it's maybe allocating other investments and this it, it, it's yeah it's uh, sometimes and i think we need this as uh maybe it's a different subject but but as a consultant or trusted advisor it, i I sometimes see people that need an expert but it's not very often very often the, it's the the executive team or the whatever whoever hires me they need someone they can trust and someone who can hold their hand yeah and that's it and and, and uh, so they don't need an arrogant expert that tells them <laughs> they they need someone they can trust and someone to hold their hand and help them uh, and, uh, yeah
0: right hmm. okay well so for those out there who are really interested in this, then obviously they can they can go go read the book. Is there any? Anywhere else, you you would point people who want to start building organizational happiness in their company?
1: I think I think we didn't touch on this, but the we the website motivationallandscape dot com is it's a good place to start. Uh, I'm also on, on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect. I'm very, uh, as you probably can feel, it's. Uh, I like these conversations. I like to yeah. to exchange ideas and 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 help also inspire. So. LinkedIn is also a good place, I think.
0: So look you up on LinkedIn, motivationallandscape.com and the book Organizational Happiness. Sure. Uh, unfortunately spelt with the American Z, but I'll, I'll, let, I'll, I'll let you off.
1: Oh, let me, see. I have a, let me just say it's here. Uh, that's, this uh, is the Spanish version. Uh, this is Spanish and we have it, uh, and it's also in Arabic right now. So it's, uh, I'm just being a, a, a British snob,
0: it's it's fine. <laughs> the, 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 the Z's okay. All right. Um. Thank you once again. It's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, I really appreciate you taking your time uh, to to share with uh, the audience uh, your your message. Thank you, Lars. Thank
1: you so much,
0: Richard. It was thank a you. pleasure, <laughs> and, and a pleasure for me to do. Thanks.